Introducing your starting lineup for the NBA's Most Valuable Podcast. He's a 5'10 forward out of Carleton University. Give it up for Bradford. Welcome back, everybody. This is the NBA's most valuable podcast. We're coming to you live. Well, not not technically live, but we're coming to you pre-recorded on a Thursday morning. Of course, with myself, John Gallardo, and I'm with Jeff Tram. How you doing, man? Oh man, I'm just tired. How about you, bro? <sighs> man, it seems like these days when the sun has like less time in the sky, yeah. you know, days are getting shorter. It just feels like we're getting so much more tired, but hopefully this podcast can give you guys some energy if you're listening to the morning or if you like to listen to your podcast at night. I mean, some people like to do that. So hopefully you'd have a good day, but regardless of what time you decide to listen to this podcast, we're going to be covering everything around the NBA. So make sure you guys stay tuned and we've got a jam packed episode for you guys today. So I guess, Jeff, I want to ask you, do you want to start out with the good news or the bad news? Because there's definitely a couple things we can talk about in terms of the Raptors anyways. Well, my motto is just get the bad news out of the way and then good sailings from that point on. So right. let's go with the bad news. So as of the day we're recording this, the Thursday, October 29th, yesterday, Terrence Davis was arrested in New York for allegedly assaulting his girlfriend. And the details on all of this is still like coming out as we speak. But as we, as like the news that's come out as of yesterday, he's been charged with seven misdemeanors. And I'm just going to read them out here because I got them up on Twitter. So as Blake Murphy reports, he's serving, he is, um, he's not serving, he's facing seven charges, including assault in third degree, um, two counts, endangering the welfare of a child, criminal mischief in the fourth degree, aggravated harassment in the second degree, attempted assault in the third degree, and then harassment in the second degree. And there were reports yesterday that he allegedly slapped his girlfriend, but then reports came out later in the day where he apparently assaulted his girlfriend with a closed fist, and apparently his child also took a fall. So, this is obviously a very sensitive topic when we're talking about assault and stuff of this nature. And for sure, Raptors Twitter was very divisive yesterday, just in terms of people defending Terrence or people saying that the Raptors should cut Terrence right away. So I just want to get your quick thoughts on this, Jeff. Like, What were your initial reactions to the news? Well, the first reaction for me was I was surprised, you know, 
I think the Raptors have built this identity where, you know, and I guess we have a little bit of bias because we are Raptors fans, but like, you know, with watching shows like Open Gym, where we really get to see the families and the people of the Raptors and uh, players and who they are as people. And they, the vibe I would always get is like they all seem like genuinely good people. Um, and of course, we don't know everything about these people's personal lives. Uh, but it just f- didn't feel like that was part of Raptors culture to have a player that, that would do such a thing. Um, with Terrence Davis, again, like I, you know, he seemed like a, he seems like a good guy from what I've, but that's the only thing, that's the, the key thing is that's just what we've seen. We don't know about his personal life and who he is, who, who he really is as a person. Um, obviously, the, the key thing is if he actually did, then yeah, he deserves to be, you know, cut from the team and never play basketball like like you know especially in a league where you know we know we recognize more now more than ever the importance of being a good role model and if an nba team were to it were to employ a player who was convicted of actually doing such a thing then that would just send out bad message um but we don't know the details yet so we'll just wait and see i don't really have much judgment on it um until i see more facts come in um yeah that's pretty much all i have to say about that honestly when i first saw the news i was really caught off guard too but there were like some troubling signs about terrence especially in the bubble anyway just because of his i guess his attitude towards masks there was that picture of him wearing a mask with like a hole in it in the bubble so that was a little bit uh, a little bit of a warning sign there, a red flag. And then also just his talk about like, um, well, yeah, just basically the mask thing alone. That was like the biggest red flag for me anyways. And after I heard this news, I, I kind of just remembered the Roberto Osuna sort of situation with the Jays. He's, he had a similar situation. And I just think that the Raptors, they're most likely going to move on from a guy like Terrence. And it's unfortunate because he was a good player on the court. But then again, like you were saying, we don't know who, what type of person he was off the court. And that's definitely not something that MLSC or the Raptors would want to reward for sure. So I, I expect the Raptors are probably going to let go of Terrence in the next couple of days to a week from now. Really? Yeah, I, I think so. Because there was a similar situation with another player on the Raptors. I forgot his name, but he was like a point guard. He was like a third, fourth stringer at most for the team. And he had a similar situation that occurred with him. And the Raptors just cut him outright. Was he and convicted? or? I don't think he was convicted. He was just charged. So, yeah, it's really, really a tough situation right now. And I'm sure the Raptors are doing all their due process to find out what exactly happened. But the thing is with Terrence too, is his deal wasn't guaranteed for the second year. So they can literally just cut him here. And that's that. You you know, in situations like this, you have to, if it's for real, like you got to have to separate the basketball side of things with the human side, like the basketball side shouldn't matter. Like if it was the basketball side, you know, I'm thinking like, Oh, you know, he's a nice young prospect who can grow with the team and yeah. might have a future with the team. But in a situation like this, if it's like, you know, if it's for real, like, you know, you gotta, 
cut him like 100 you know, that's, that's messed you know and that's disappointing and um i'm sure like in time he'll probably regret it too if it does ruin his opportunities um in the future of the nba I, i'm not you, you said the rappers i don't even think if it were to be true i don't think he'd have a future in the nba period especially in times like this i don't think any team would want to sign him well the thing is too with this this situation people have actually said that and i don't know if these are true but apparently kendrick nunn was in a similar situation and he's still on the miami heat so it, oh. it, it's very very touchy and I, I don't really know all the logistics about kendrick nunn's situation but what I do know is that the Raptors, they don't value this type of character or this type of nah. behavior. They're not going to tolerate it for sure. So I expect the Raptors to cut Terrence Davis. And, you know, it's unfortunate because he's a good player, but that's just not the type of person the Raptors want in their locker room. They're not, not the type of person they want to represent their organization, just in terms yeah. of how they've hired a lot of women in their, in their organization and how we're empowering like you know all this positivity right. as an organization and then we have this i don't think that's something the raptors want to do mm-hmm. so yeah we expect terrence to get cut and i just want to say you know like you're just one bad mistake away from ruining your entire career Wh- whatever you you know whatever field you're in you just gotta make good decisions so i i think that's um that's enough for the Terrence Davis uh, section of this podcast for now. And we'll, we'll probably keep you guys updated if there are any other developments in this. Yeah. But we expect the Terrence Davis story to uh, end in Toronto here. So moving on to the good news. Pascal Siakam was spotted on Instagram with Rico Hines. Rico <laughs> Hines. I just saw this this morning, actually. Oh, my God. So that's a, that's some good news. Who? Rico Hines? I don't you don't know who Rico Hines is? No. Dude, Rico Hines is like one of the best basketball trainers in the league. And Pascal's been training with him since like his rookie year. Oh, okay. Maybe, okay. maybe not rookie year, but he's been training with him for a while. So the only okay. good news there is that, you know, Pascal's in the gym grinding. So hopefully we can get a better Pascal Siakam next season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the he, only good news. for the Who has Rico uh, worked with? Uh, James Harden, I believe. Uh, who else? I don't know off the top of my head, but I know he's famous for like yeah. training basketball people. Yeah, I see. I see him now. Yeah, he's a player development coach, but he's he's employed with the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, but he he does uh, these summer runs a lot of the time. Uh, at these runs, like a lot of players show up. Like just here on a quick Google search, I see like you know Kyrie Irving, Trey Young. Uh, Thomas Bryant, Lamelo Ball was at one of his runs. Yeah, I I just, I just seeing him right now. See, um, the guy I've known uh as a good reputation, he used to work for the Raptors. Now, uh, Phil Handy. Yes, Phil uh, Handy. Yeah, I follow him. He's um he's he's won back to back champions first of all. Um, but yeah, he's has a good reputation as well. But oh, interesting, Rico Heen. So what uh, what kind of um what's his expertise? Does he have an expert like a or is he good at just developing the overall game? To be honest, I think it's just the whole package. Yeah. I don't know if he specializes in any sort of particular aspect of the game, but I do know is what they did is they took like they saw Pascal as like a prospect 
and they really yeah. took him in and dip, rounded out his whole game. So yeah. more of like his off the dribble stuff and what he used to do in isolation anyway. But obviously that stuff didn't really work out for the Raptors in the playoffs and in the bubble. So I assume they went back to the lab to uh, touch up on some things and get some new skills in there. Well, just based off what I've seen, like it looks like, you know, there's a video like where he's, there's LaMelo Ball, Kyrie, Trey Young, and James Harden at his camp. And I'd imagine then that working on like um, his dribble moves as yeah. a, yeah, that would really help his game, I think, to expand from the just the, the typical spin or, you know. Yeah. I mean? There's these like all these memes now about Pascal Siakam's spin move. Yeah. People forget that that was a very effective move. No, I yeah, exactly. It was a really, really effective, especially like in transition when he's going from end to end. Like most of the time, it would be hard to stop that because he's so lengthy as well. So it's yeah. hard to block that. So I, I don't want people to meme the Pascal Siakam spin move anymore. But, you know, people will meme it until, you know, we see some improvement in some uh, – steps forward for pascal so yeah we're just gonna have to wait on that next season hopefully and that's actually a great transition to our next topic because we got to talk about next season because we don't even know when next season is going to start yet so there were were rumors initially about like two weeks ago now that the nba season was going to start on january 18th which is martin luther king day yeah and then a couple of days later, the NBA like sort of said, well, we should probably start around December 22nd because if we don't, then we're going to lose $500 million or more in revenue if we don't start any later than December 22nd. So initially, the whole conversation around this was, okay, $500 million, pretty big sum. We assume the players are going to opt into that and say, okay, well, we're going to lose a lot of money. So let's Let's get it. Let it. Let's get it going and start up the season December. But now, recently, the NBA Player Association and a lot of the star players, anyway, they're pushing for a January 18th start date in 2021, and that's uh, per Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports. So that's what they're pushing for, like the players. Yeah. So a lot of the players are pushing for a January 18th start mm-hmm. date, and. Fun fact, that would be like almost a year since our first episode of our podcast. Our first episode was actually January 18th, January 15th. Oh, so that would be pretty cool. But on that, aside from that note, LeBron James was going to sit out the whole like first month of the season, regardless if uh, they started in December from like what Danny Green was saying anyway. Yeah. So I just want to get your like opinions on this, like, what do you think is going to happen here with the NBA restart? Do you think it's going to happen in like December or January at this point? I think personally that they should start at the December date. Um, and the reason I say that is I know it's close. It's going to be very tight, especially with fr- fitting free agency and uh, the draft along with everything. And, you know, having like, a player like sign with a new team and then having that little time to like just get get settled into their team. I understand those dynamics, but I'm thinking more on the long-term basis of, you know, we kind of have to like, so the scheduling of the season has been messed up because of this pandemic. Let's try to reset it so that we can get back to um, the regular dates 
Like if we start in December and I believe they're looking at like a 70 game, 70, 72 game season. Yeah. Um, that would make sense. And then it would have it. So then the season would probably end back at the round of normal time. And then we could have a regular off season again and then reset again and start the season back at late October, early November again for yeah. the next season. So I think that's the most important thing to reset things because um, it's to start late, right? There was already like, they kind of already had like a huge break for of play, which is during the pandemic. Um, and think about teams that haven't, um, that didn't make the, the, the bubble, right? Yeah. They haven't played basketball in how long? Like nine months. Exactly. So they need to like, you, you need to keep that in mind. Um, I would fully be, I would rather have it. They start at that December date. And then I wouldn't mind having a few players sit out here and there. Like, like, like a LeBron, like it would make sense that guy like a LeBron James would sit out for maybe the month. If he feels that confident about the, the Lakers still winning games without him, then so be it. Like, I think at this point, like, the negatives of sitting out are not as important because again, there there's no fans in the arenas. So yeah. um, that's one thing. Uh, number two, I think at this point, like I said, like fans just want basketball. We just want to watch sports, especially since, you know, um, in the world right now, it looks like, like the, 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 the pandemic is really the second wave is underway. Like, so mm-hmm we need to see we want to see some sports and especially at that time period like that's christmas time like that would be great for ratings um and you know i i think it just makes the most sense and honestly i have less sympathy for the players because you know they got they're gonna make a lot of they make all make a lot of money so yeah you know it's hard to sympathize like oh no we have to go back to playing games like like shut up! You're making a lot of money. It's <laughs> you know? like a top five percent problem, but hey. <laughs> you know, for me, uh, I definitely understand the gripes about playing in December, just because like this condensed off season, we've never seen anything like that before. So we don't know how that's going to affect free agency. We mm-hmm. don't know how that's going to affect the incoming draft prospects. But I think the biggest thing, like what you were alluding to with the ratings, I think basketball just needs to get onto a normal schedule because of the fact that if it doesn't, it's going to continue to bleed into the other professional sports seasons. So for example, you know, we had the, the NBA is like scheduled around the same time as the NHL, but this season, the, the NBA playoffs had to contend with the NFL playoffs and NFL season, which it it was hard, not the NFL playoffs. Sorry. No, no, I was going to start yet. The NFL season, which, You know, I don't watch the NFL a lot anyway, but people in America, that's like the prime time sport. You're going to yeah. watch the football game, the Sunday night football game over the Sunday night basketball game any day of the week. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, the financial hit that they had just earlier in the season with the whole uh, Daryl Morey and China situation, that that affected the league already a lot, just in terms of loss of like TV deals in China and stuff like that and partnerships there. And then we had the pandemic layoff, which was like a couple months, mm-hmm. no basketball, no, no ads, you know, no money coming in really. Aside from like if fans were even purchasing merchandise at that point. So I think the biggest deal here is that we're going to lose a lot of money as a league if we don't start in December 22nd. But, you know, 
if they start on January 18th, it's just going to be a continued thing here where we're going to bleed into other professional sports and we're going to have to compete with other professional sports. So I think mm-hmm. the best move for the whole league as a whole is to start in December 22nd. But again, this is a star-driven league. If the players don't want to play on December 22nd, then I think the league's going to have to bow down to that decision and start it up potentially next year in January. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But it seems like the league and the players are on two different sides here. So it'll be interesting to see what transpires there. But uh, unless you have anything to add, we're going to move on to some hirings here. Yeah, sure. Hiring, let's go. Yeah, so there's been a lot of news actually in the NBA since our last podcast where we famously said that, oh yeah, not a lot of news this week, so we're going to do a fantasy draft. But now we've got a ton of hirings to talk about. So there's a couple we can start out here with, but I actually want to start out with one we have here on the bottom of our list, which is the 76ers hiring Daryl Morey as their president of basketball operations. Mm. So Elton Brand, he's still around. He's still going to be the GM of the team, but Daryl Morey is being hired into this executive position as the president of basketball ops. Just to think of it sort of as like Messiah Jerry is the president of the Raptors and Bobby Webster is the GM. That's kind of like the relationship or or the hierarchy of um, positions they have there in Philadelphia. So Brand is still the GM and then they've got Morey here as the president of basketball ops. So it'll be interesting to see like their power dynamic and, you know, how they sort of make decisions. But I just want to get your reactions to this hiring because obviously, you know, Maury, he he stepped down from his Rockets position, Mm -hmm. which we did talk about on a previous episode. And then he actually went out and said that he didn't really want to take a job for a while, you know, take a Mm -hmm. break. And then now we see him signing a five-year deal with the Sixers. Mm -hmm. So, like, what's your opinion on this hiring here? So... So I think, first of all, with his, I imagine the relationship is going to kind of be like how Messiah is with Bobby Webster, like because yeah. Ellen Burns keeping his job as GM. But I think that uh, um, Daryl Moore is going to have the, the higher, the final say, of the, the, the outlook of the team. And so what's Daryl Moore's main thing? Analytics, right? Yeah. So this is, it looks like Philadelphia is going back to that route because before all of this, they had a guy named Sam Hinky. Mr. Trust he, the Process. Mr. Trust the Process. And he was villainized because they tanked, but they made some... The, the reason the, the product of them tanking was able to obtain high draft picks. Now, did they hit on all of them? No, but it wasn't all his fault. I mean, it's not his fault that the 76ers picked uh, Markel Fultz over Jason Tatum and traded down, uh, sorry, sorry, traded up to get uh, <laughs> uh, Markel Fultz over Jason Tatum. Because can you imagine Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, and Jason Tatum? That would probably be probably the... have a title by now. Yeah, exactly. And they <laughs> they messed that part, that up. Um, they also made some not the best picks like Jill Okafor. Um, what else? What's his name? Uh, yeah, Noel. Noel. yeah Noel. I was gonna say, yeah, Michael Carter Williams. They, they, they should be a dynasty from how based on how bad they were. Like, 
it's kind of this like I know you're not gonna hit on every single pick, but they could have hit on more. Um, but still, H- Hinky's process was the right process because I believe in the idea that if you really care about building a team, right, and wanting to and the future of the team, you you gotta be either really bad or a title contender. There's no point of being a mediocre team. Because if you're a mediocre team, you're not going anywhere unless you like r- get lucky with like a mid-round pick or uh, you get a free agent or um, you, you find this unknown star. So Hinky was like, you, listen, we could be a mediocre team. We could sign some players. Philadelphia is not a bad city, right? Or we can just blow it up, just tank, and get the odds to have like a high pick and bank on high prospects. So, uh, and also he, again, like I said before, he's an analytics guy and he was villainized for that and he got fired and Brian Colangelo took over and, you know, he kind of messed the team mm, up. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, so with this Daryl Morey hiring, I think this is kind of like a second chance at it, you know? Um, which again, I feel bad for Sam Hickey because he should have been there the whole, the whole time. But, uh, okay, so with Daryl Morey, um, the the first thing I've seen about Daryl Morey is like how is the relationship between Daryl Morey and Ben Simmons going to work because Ben Simmons cannot shoot <laughs> <laughs> hey Ben chuck up eight threes a game please <laughs> yeah so that's going to be interesting I mean like there's a, there, Philadelphia there's a lot of questions right I predict that one of Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid is getting traded um, because both of those players don't necessarily fit uh the style that uh Daryl Morey would want to have. Uh, though Ben uh Joel Embiid would be typically the better fit because he can shoot threes uh, as a big man. So I don't, but uh, I don't know what the future of the team is. What are your thoughts? Because I don't know what they're gonna do with how they're gonna fit his vision with this current roster that's gonna got there's got to be big changes coming for sure i think it was the wrong hiring because they already hired doc rivers as their head coach oh i forgot about that oh yeah i don't think the maury maury rivers pairing is gonna work out well because daryl maury works well with innovators i think his head coach has to be a very innovative in terms of like willing to try really radical offensive schemes you know absolutely defensive schemes like that's that's daryl morey that's daryl morey and the coach that they needed was mike d'antoni who was in the running to get this position but the sixers hopped on doc rivers the doc rivers trained very fast so it was a very like weird hiring for me to look at because i was like oh daryl morey and doc rivers that seems like i don't know what's a bad pairing I don't know. It's definitely not peanut butter and jelly, though. They do not go together. Yeah, because so. like, Doc Rivers definitely would be, like, the worst pairing, especially since I feel like, like we've talked about for overrated coach, and he's got he's probably got this ego that he's still the top shit, you know? Yeah, like, he, he's, he's so old school, just in terms of, yeah. like, how he's not able to make adjustments. He's not a good tactician. No. So it's a very weird hiring for me first when to look at that. And then second, like you were saying, the Ben Simmons thing – is Ben Simmons just going to shoot threes now or is he going to be like the primary ball handler? And then are they going to make Joel Embiid shoot like 10 threes a game, which mm-hmm. you said Joel Embiid can shoot, but albeit he can't shoot very well. So yeah, 
you know, that's going to be weird too. So like you were saying, I think, and we've been saying this since like even, I remember like almost like a year ago now, I think it's about a year ago now when we tried to record our first ever podcast episode and we were talking about Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid not fitting together. Mm-hmm. I just feel like we're going to see in a year from now, maybe, or maybe even earlier, like Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons is probably going to get traded from this team. I'm thinking right now it's probably going to be Joel Embiid just because Me it's too. harder to build a team around a center these days and yeah. produce like a winner. Yeah. You got to be like a Jokic type where you're, you know, a good playmaker and you're still a good shooter. But uh, yeah, it's it's a very awkward pairing here. Like I'm, I'm trying to think of a metaphor here to explain how like awkward it is. It's like if you're e- eating like, a, I don't know, Oh boy. Sushi okay. pizza. Sushi pizza. There you go. Oh sushi boy. pizza is not that good. I mean, I don't know if if you've tried it, but it's nope. not that great. And I wouldn't recommend it. Oh god. So the Daryl Morey Doc Rivers hirings, that's sushi pizza for Philadelphia. So they can enjoy their sushi pizza. While the Rockets, <laughs> on the other hand, they hired their head coach yes. too. They got mm-hmm. Steven Silas stepping into the role. Yes. So He's he's actually had a lot of coaching experience here because I had to search him up because I knew of Paul Silas, but yeah, I didn't really Paul. know anything about Steven Silas. So we've got like a little chart here on our doc, just looking at his uh, head coaching exp- or his coaching experience. So I'm just going to briefly skim through all of this here. So he was with the Bobcats as a scout. Mm-hmm. He was with the Hornets and then he became a assistant with the Hornets. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Charlotte Hornets. They weren't the Bobcats yet. Then he was with the New Orleans Hornets as an assistant when they moved to New Orleans. He's with the Cavs as an assistant when LeBron James was there as a rookie. You know, Washington Wizards, he was a scout. Then he's with the Warriors from 2006 to 2010 as an assistant. Mm-hmm. Then he actually joined the Bob Charlotte Bobcats slash Hornets as an assistant from 2010 all the way to 2018, actually. And then he was most recently with the Dallas Mavericks from 2018 until the last year. So now he's the head coach of the Houston Rockets. Honestly, even listing out all his head coaching experience, I still don't know what type of coach Steven Silas is. Like, is he a tactician? Is he like a player yeah. coach? So honestly, I don't know what to think of this hiring other than the fact that Houston, they got their guy that they wanted because Houston actually interviewed him, I think, a couple of years ago for the head coaching position when they mm-hmm. hired Mike D'Antoni. And this guy actually got a second interview for the job. So he was pretty close. So my Wait, who, only... Who was second reaction, close, sorry? Steven Silas was pretty close to getting the position uh, before Mike D'Antoni was hired. A couple of years ago. Oh, back. okay, yeah. So my only reaction to this hiring is that the Rockets, they got a guy that they know a lot about and Mm -hmm. they wanted you know they showed interest in him before so they're moving on to that sort of guy like if you think about it it's kind of similar to how Nick Nurse was hired in Toronto Mm because you know we they saw his experience and they put him up into a new position so we'll have to see if Steven Silas is going to succeed in this role I mean what do you think so just doing some research on him is um you know he's got He's his, his his expertise is on the offensive side, and actually, um, Adrian Wojnarowski was doing some 
explaining a little more details about who he is and what what he's done is um the Rockets were really sold on Silas's offense with Dallas because um him and uh Rick Carlisle helped create uh one of the most efficient offenses in NBA history with the right. Dallas Mavericks and in coming to Dallas I'm sorry coming to Houston um he gets a chance to play with Harden and Westbrook. So in the past, Silas has worked with remarkable guards in his career, including obviously Luka Doncic, Kemba Walker in Charlotte, Steph Curry. And now he's going to try and run the offense for Harden and Westbrook. So I think the goal with hiring him and this offense is obviously kind of like similar to D'Antoni, but he's probably going to have to – he has his own style probably – is to get the most out of James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Um, yeah. They have to get the most out of them because that's all they basically have. So, and there's not much time left. Like, they, even though we might not agree to, uh, about their status as, as a team, like, they still believe that they're title contenders. Well, just because they have no choice. They've invested all this money. They've made yeah. the trades. You know, they have only a few years left. Their window is closing. So, I I think Houston is going to make some big moves this offseason. I think that they're just they're desperate. Um I don't know how much assets they have left, but they need to make the most out of Westbrook and Harden cuz there's not much time left and um you know they still got to contend against uh the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets. Portland's still a tough team. Uh Utah's still a tough team. Um They've got a lot of work. Dallas, yep, which we'll talk about later. Like they, like there's a lot of teams they got to battle against. So I'm, I'm interested to see what Silas's offense will look like with that team. But um, yeah, and the moves they'll make for this upcoming season. You know, just just the fact that he was one of the head, one of the coaches anyway that was responsible for Dallas's offense this season. That already has me in a pretty good. Um, a, a impression anyway of Paul of uh, Stephen Silas, not Paul Silas. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Stephen Silas. He just if he's really like one of the coaches that was responsible for that Dallas offense that was historically efficient, then I think he can work wonders with James Harden and Russell Westbrook. And you hit it right on the head with um, like what sort of hiring this is for the Rockets. They need a guy that's gonna maximize. James Harden and Russell Westbrook. And we even emphasized this on one of our past episodes where we talked about, you know, the Rockets' whole dilemma and what sort of head coach they should hire. We'll have to see if he's going to be an X's and O's guy. X's and O's guy. Sorry. I choked on my own uh, saliva there. <coughs> Anyways. Yeah. They also, like, sorry. Just one more thing is that they also beat out. Um, he also beat out names like Jeff, Jeff Van Gundy and mm-hmm. John Lucas. Those are the other contenders. Yeah, so that he it's gonna be a question of whether he's an X's and O's guy. I think that's ultimately gonna decide if this is a good hiring for them or not. But mm-hmm. so far, just like off of the Dallas, um, the Dallas thing there, I think this is a pretty decent hiring for them. Definitely better than some other hirings around the league, just in my opinion, anyways. But we got to move on to our last hiring here, and that's. Not Jeff Van Gundy, but Stan Van Gundy was actually hired by the New Orleans Pelicans. So Stan Van Gundy, he's most famous for his stint in Orlando 
where he took the team to the finals mm-hmm. and a couple Eastern Conference finals with uh, Dwight Howard, Richard Lewis, them boys. You know, they were a pretty good team in the late 2010s. And he also had a stint in Miami where um, he had Dwayne Wade as a rookie. And mm-hmm. he was uh, eventually forced out of his role, well, forced anyway, in air quotations, by uh, Pat Riley. And then Pat Riley took over. So Stan Van Gunny, you know, I, I never really thought of him as like a top, top tier coach. I think he's a decent coach because what he did in Orlando for its time was pretty revolutionary mm-hmm. in terms of having a really dominant big inside, surrounding them with shooters, and mm-hmm. then just like shooting a bunch of threes and letting Howard dominate the paint on his own. I think that was like pretty revolutionary style for that time of, of um, basketball anyway, because not a lot of people mm-hmm. were shooting threes to begin with. Like not a lot yeah, of teams did. were popping that many threes. Mm-hmm. And now he's going to join the Pelicans who have, you know, a potentially transcendent talent in Zion Williamson, just depending if he can stay healthy. And, you know, they also got Brandon Ingram, who's a young guy. He gets to reunite with his uh, former player, J.J. Redick, who J.J. Redick is pretty high on Stan as a coach. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know about this hiring, honestly, though, because Zion Williamson is not the same player Dwight Howard was mm-hmm. in his prime. Because Dwight Howard, he was way more healthy than Zion is at this stage of his career, number one. And number two, I don't think he can necessarily replicate what he was doing in Orlando in New Orleans just because they don't have the right personnel to do so. You know, they don't have the best shooters on the roster to do that type of thing. So I'm not really sure what style of offense or what style of game Stan Van Gundy wants to play. But Mm -hmm. there is one thing I want to mention before I hand it off to you is that Stan wasn't going to take any job besides the Pelicans job. That's what he was saying anyway. This is the only head coaching position he was interested in to begin with. Right. So, so the past week, uh, Stan Van Gunning has been working uh, as an analyst for TNT. Yeah. And I've actually liked him as an analyst. He's, he, he's provided some insight and you really get to see his knowledge in terms of how he sees the game. Um, his stint in Detroit was not viewed upon very well. Right. Um, but, but he did also, he had... Um, he had, he was more than just a coach. He actually had direct say in uh, the trading and that and signings. Um, yep. He's the, I think he's the uh, director of basketball operations for yep. Detroit, as well as a coach. Which typically more than uh, than not, it's not a, usually a good thing because coaches have different perspectives than uh, GM would. Yeah. Um, so here are a few things um, in like defining. Stan Van Gutty's system is that he actually doesn't have a definitive system. But like you pointed out, um, he kind of did the whole three and short range twos before it was cool. Like like what you said with the Orlando team. Um, he seems especially with what the way he, he talks um, as an analyst, I see him as even though he is an old school coach, he's, I, he's also open to new ideas. So that's a good thing. Um, this New Orleans team is just the potential I see in that team is just amazing. Like I'm just I like I said before, like I'm not even 
a New Orleans fan, but like I'm excited for the future of that team because mm-hmm. they've got pieces like again Zion and Brandon Ingram. I'm still high on Lonzo. I still think that Lonzo can be an impactful player in the league. Like I just really love he he has a vision and an IQ that can't be teached. Um, he's gonna make some mistakes here and there. His shooting's still not consistent enough, but he's still young. Um, um, and then like I, I then they got Jackson Hayes, uh, Josh Hart. I mean, I'm not Josh Hart's an okay player, but the point is like I'm just excited for the future of that team. Uh, and Stan Van Gundy, um, he's got also a reputation of being like a player friendly coach, so that's mm-hmm. gonna be a good. Uh, type of coach for a young team um a little bit more about what his principles are obviously defense he's very like strict on having a disciplined defense um you know even you, you mentioned jj reddick like there were times where even in orlando he didn't play jj reddick that much earlier on because um jj reddick is not <laughs> not the best defensive player as yeah. he's undersized for a shooting guard. So he's not afraid to make those decisions. And then also he's, this was a knock on him in Detroit more than Orlando because the Orlando had more of a veteran team, but Detroit, you know, they, the time he was coaching, he had some young players and his principle about that is that he believes that he doesn't believe in developing young players by giving them a bunch of playing time. And that's an interesting perspective because I feel I'm a little mixed on that, you know, Uh, Mm. in some ways, like, you know, if you're a bad team, you throw a young player, give him a lot of playing time, give him experience. On one hand, it could help develop his game, but also it could also ruin his game because it might allow him to have bad habits or be used to playing in a just an offense that would that's not a winning offense on a, on a good team. Develop bad tendencies. Yeah, exactly. So he believes in like playing them when they're ready. And that's a big part of his player development. Just kind of like let him watch the game. So with this team, like this is a really young team. You know, like like you mentioned again, JJ Reddick. He's one of the few veterans that they have. Um, So we'll see how Stan Van Gundy. I never thought he'd get a a coaching job again. Not because I don't think he's a smart guy. I just felt like he's, I always felt like he'd be just, a TV analyst, just like how Jeff Van Gundy has been an analyst for years now. You know, I thought that he, I didn't think he'd have a coaching job then, but we'll see. Maybe he can build on his reputation that he kind of tarnished a little in Detroit. Because from what I hear from Piston fans, they're not a big fan of him. No, um, they hate him. Well, then again, Pistons, they've just been. <laughs> I don't even think we really talked about the Pistons on this podcast because they've just been so like. Yeah, they're, they're not newsworthy <laughs> at all. And they've been trash, like just, oh my god! I I I know I. There's this Pistons fan I guy fan I know, and um, he's just always outraged. They're just the bad luck, because <laughs> they've always been like, you know how I just had that little rant about uh, with the Philadelphia 76ers. You got to yeah, be like being good. In the middle. They've always been in the middle. They they're 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 known for being like the ninth seed or the eighth seed, either the ninth or tenth, and they're, or they're the eighth seed, and they get swept in the first round. <laughs> See the thing is, like when you're talking about that whole like being in the middle, I don't always think it's necessarily a bad thing. It just depends on your organization, your like your team culture, your yeah. scouting, your player development. You can still get out of the middle of like a you know the conference, 
just depending on if you draft well and if you develop your players well. But the thing is, the Pistons, they don't draft well, number one. I don't think they really hit on any draft picks in the last, like, two decades maybe even. Like, if you think even way back, they picked Darko over Melo. So oh god <laughs> that's that's one of them that's gonna haunt them forever but yeah the pistons have never drafted well they haven't really found too much talent like They're in the tra- second round they traded andre drummond to cleveland for nothing brandon knight bro who they traded away too and they drafted like and was ended up being a bust uh luke Kennard. well actually he's actually one of the decent he's players solid he's but not like, a star but that's the thing they're not a star um even even like the, their, their, they had an upcoming, like this year, uh, a developing young guy that they had was Christian Wood. Uh, I heard a report that he wants to leave. <laughs> I uh, don't blame him, man. Detroit, it's, it hasn't really been a good place to play basketball since like the 2000s when they had Chauncey Billups and Ben Wallace in them. Oh, oh that was a good time, actually. But yeah, it's been, so, it's been terrible there. They, uh, Little Caesars, uh, the arena's called, first of all, called like Little Caesars Arena, whatever. Oh my God. Little Caesars, ew. I miss yeah. the Palace of Auburn Hills. Yeah, that used to be so sick. That used to be a place where everyone would be like scared to play against. And now it's just like a joke of a team. Their only decent prospect that they have is Sekou Dumboya. That's it. Like they, and then if Christian Wood stays, then him too. But that's it. They have nothing. They have nothing to build around. Dwayne Casey, uh, just he's there for the paycheck. Blake Griffin, oh, oh, man. Blake Griffin, I don't know about, like, I still think that he can be a good player, but, man, he just keeps getting injured, bro. Like, that guy is injury prone. Because when he's healthy, like, especially the, the year that he was healthy for Detroit, he was averaging career highs, but he, he just keeps getting injured. So that's another L on Detroit. So um, I don't know what their future is. Like, Derek Rose, I, I think he's just building stock for himself. That's yeah. why he's, he signed with that team. Well, yeah. there you go, Detroit. There's your, there's your convo. We talked about your team. <laughs> <laughs> First time ever, man. First time Detroit ever got a shout on this podcast. Congratulations. All I can say is bring back the Palace of Auburn Hills, man. It was so cool watching I basketball. think it was demolished. It was, yeah. But they need to bring the name back at least because it was mm. like so cool when I, I just remember early memories of watching like basketball. Yeah. And it's like, let's say like LeBron James comes to the Palace of Auburn Hills. And then they got a player, Tayshawn Prince, in the yeah. palace. I was just yeah. like, yo, this is sick. Like, who, who are these pisses? But, you know, ah, they're just the middle of the pack. And they're not relevant at all. So don't be surprised if we, like, never talk about the Pistons again for the rest of this year. Because I don't think they're going to be irrelevant regardless. <laughs> so I guess moving on to a team that is going to be relevant in the near to like pretty much they're they're relevant already and they're probably going to be relevant for the next decade we got to talk a little bit about the dallas mavericks so mm. there's been a report that uh, of course obviously luka Doncic is untouchable for them absolutely and they've also said that porzingis they've said they're not going to move porzingis in a, an attempt to get a third star so they're trying to build a team to win now because they see their championship window opening with Luka Doncic still on his rookie deal, they can mm-hmm. potentially swing for the fences to get someone that's like you know, on a bigger deal contract. And they already signed Porzingis to his extension. So they're not going to move him either. So I guess I just want to ask you, what sort of moves can Dallas make? Like what player can they acquire here? Because there are a couple of players that are potentially on the market. 
Well, first of all, I'm I'm still a big fan of the majority of the roster of this Dallas Mavericks team. You know, I think with Porzingis healthy, like we they probably could have beaten uh, the Clippers, yeah. um, and then they could have probably possibly made it to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, they they potentially beat like, Dallas. Like, uh, or, um, you, sorry, they potentially beat Denver. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why I said yeah. So um. I don't know. I not only do I like like obviously Luca and Porzingis, but a lot of the role players that they have are really nice. Tim Hardaway Jr. Yeah. Seth, Seth Curry. Actually, Kleba. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, um, to me, I think the guy, and maybe you can provide a list a little, a little later. But like, the, uh, to me, I think they need like a three and D player. Yes. Um, someone who can, um, who can take on the like the bigger uh players play defense um obviously can stretch the floor because uh the offense is going to be surrounded around luca um i can't like I don't, I don't think he's available i'm just naming a player that i think would be a nice fit but i don't think he uh i don't, I don't know if he's available probably not but like kelly Oubre jr mm-hmm. i just think that he'd be a guy who can stretch the floor um maybe even like uh TJ Warren or uh, another name actually because he I know he's in the trade market right now uh, is uh, Victor Oladipo ah yes because the backward of actually uh, Luca and Victor Oladipo would be really nice um, yeah I don't know if you could have a little more players you, that are available but I don't know I think they they I I could see the reason why they'd want to get that third star um, because Dallas is actually a lot progressed a lot faster than maybe some other people would have thought. Yeah, 100%. And I think you hit it right on the head just in terms of what type of player Dallas needs. They definitely need to improve their defense because it says a lot when you had, like as a team, Dallas anyway, they had like one of the most efficient offenses ever. Yeah. And they got bounced in the first round. So that that's without question. That's where they need to improve is their defense. They need to improve the defense overall as a roster and obviously you have to acquire a bunch of different pieces to do that first and foremost but in terms of a third star i've heard rumors that potentially they try to make a move for bradley beal which i like from the perspective of offense because bradley beal is like just another like very gifted isolation score and i wonder how that's gonna play out when you have him playing off the ball with guys like luca handling the ball so that'll be interesting in that sort of sense but i really do think they need to acquire a three and d guy like you were saying they just need someone to take on the bigger perimeter like defensive options here and they need to get someone that can take on those assignments so i don't know like like you were saying kelly Oubre seems like a good move there i think they just need to make a move for like some guys like trevor ariza for example or like a, a What's his name? Uh, PJ Tucker or something like that. You know, you know Harrison Barnes was supposed to be that guy. <laughs> yeah, Harrison Barnes. I don't know what happened to him, man. He he got signed for that big contract, and then everybody was expecting him to be like a star in Dallas just because he's pretty decent in Golden State. Yeah. And, and the, if you don't count like his like last couple of games in the finals, but yeah, they were expecting him to, expecting him to be a star, and then it just turned out to be a big dud. Hmm. You know, and they had Wes Matthews the last season, who is 
who's who was doing pretty well with uh, Milwaukee this year, but he didn't do too well in Dallas. So they don't really have like a three and D star they can acquire right now. Cause if you think about it, there's not a lot of three and D stars to begin with. Like off the top of your head, it's probably like Kawhi, you know, like Kevin Durant. There's not really many three and D like superstars in the league right now. So I, I don't know who they make and who the Mavs want in terms of like acquiring a star. Like Oladipo seems like the only option here. Because he's also on the market, you know, he's going to be expiring the next season. And if he's a little bit like, you know, his, his, what his all star season was, if he can play just a little bit like that, then that would be a great move for Dallas, just pairing him with Luka in the backcourt. But I, I, again, we don't know how healthy Oladipo is coming off his injury. He did suffer a pretty major injury. So we'll have to okay. see with that. So here are some players that I've, I, I've seen, um, just looking around, Josh Richardson and Matisse Thybul. Oh, Matisse Thybul, that would be a good one. Yeah, he, that the the projected trade would be uh, Josh Richardson and Matisse Thybul for Seth Curry, Justin Jackson, the 18th overall pick, and a second round pick. Wow, that seems like a lot for Josh Richardson and Matisse Thybul. Well, Richardson's uh, stock was higher. I think his his stock lowered because of. Um, of uh philadelphia but he was um he was like they weren't directly trade for each other but i think he was like sign and trade for jimmy butler yeah exactly like yeah for jimmy butler but his stock was really nice like i liked him as a player in miami yeah um well some people are like we mentioned a three and d but some people are saying uh they should also get it they could get a guard because they think that luca would be actually be better as a shooting guard and then they get like a point guard, like uh, there's a uh, rumor for Spencer Dinwiddie. What are your thoughts mm. on that? Uh, Dinwiddie, he's okay. I think I'd prefer Malcolm Brogdon over him. Yeah. I'm a big Malcolm Brogdon advocate, as yeah. like you know, this podcast knows and everybody knows. But he, they need just a guy that can play defense to put alongside um, Luca, and he would be also a very efficient offensive option alongside a guy like Luka Doncic and Porzingis. Dinwiddie, uh, he's okay. Okay, I'm gonna throw just a few more names of your thoughts. Right. So I saw another one is Buddy Healed. That would be a good one in terms of offense. He he is available, but yeah, again, his shot was kind of his shot fell off last season a little bit, and you know his defense isn't the greatest. I'm I, I'm looking at your face right now, and you're making a pretty crazy face for the no. listeners. Yes, because the next person I see, which is I never thought about, but that be I think this one would actually be a really good fit. Imagine having Chris Paul. Oh, yeah, Ooh. that would be a good one. I mean, Chris Paul, he's very expensive, but they can the Mavericks' yeah. window is to win is now. Yeah. That, that is would a, be a good one. Yeah, and then the other, the last two I see is um, like we said, Victor Oladipo, and then um, Drew Holiday. Uh Drew Holiday, that would be solid too. If the Pelicans even want to trade him. And then this one is this one's ridiculous. I don't think this is gonna happen. This one, they they had um, Seth Curry, Max Kleber, Dorian uh, Finney-Smith, two first round picks and two second round picks. 
for Giannis? Uh, <laughs> uh, that's the the Yo, Bucks aren't gonna trade Giannis. If if Giannis goes to the Dallas Mavericks, like cancel the season. Luca yeah. and Giannis. <laughs> we we already talked about that. Like I think um, a couple of podcasts back when we were talking about Giannis's potential, like you know options. I think yeah. we were talking about this when Giannis got knocked out. Yeah, yeah. Like I I just brought up the prospect. I was like, you know, Giannis to the Mavs. That would be a dynasty, I think. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I see why they would want to look for that third star. Um, what's realistic and what's not, like, um, we'll see. But yeah. um, I don't know. Luke, I think Luca's development has definitely accelerated their status as a team. Um, as long as Porzingis get, stays healthy. That's the key thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's the biggest question mark. If he can be healthy and, you know, Luca continues this like almost unprecedented ascent, you know, he, he played so well in his rookie year and then he completely like skyrocketed to MVP conversation in his second year. So now he's the favorite going into the next season as like betting favorite for the MVP. So the, yeah, the Mavericks window is open right now. They got to maximize every season they have with Luca. Because, again, we don't know if he's going to leave or not. But, you know, uh, I, I don't want to bring up, like, presidents or, like, you know, stereotypes about European players because, honestly, I hate those. But just history has shown that European players, like stars anyway, have been more loyal to their franchises that have, like, you know, drafted them and stuff. Like, you just look at Dirk Nowitzki, yeah. for example. Yeah. You know, the the jury's out on Giannis. We don't know if that's going to be a situation where Giannis stays in Milwaukee. But... You know, Luka Doncic, he's in he's in a good position for himself right now. And he's got an owner in Mark Cuban who's willing to spend. So they seem like they're in a good position. But a team that's definitely not in a very good position right now is the New York Knicks. <laughs> we, should, we love to shit on the Knicks. Mm. But they're actually making some uh, better decisions right now anyway. If you can even say that for New York. But... There's just a headline here that's saying they're actually willing to take on some bad contracts in order to acquire some assets. So whether that's like, you know, draft picks, probably like second rounders. But, you know, we, we love to shit on the Knicks on this podcast just because they are such a mess as a franchise. They are technically the league's most premier franchise because they make the most money every year. But they're still always at the bottom. So... It was a surprise to me anyway that the Knicks were going to try to do something good here. I mean, what, what was your reaction to this? Like, did you, were you caught off guard like I was? Caught off guard with this report? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, if there was any other like, like bottom team team and they're doing this, like, that would make sense. That's a smart move, you know, uh, because if you're a rebuilding team, that's the smart move is to take up bad contracts and uh, acquire draft picks to do a really good rebuild. The reason why it doesn't matter to me that they're doing this smart decision is because they're gonna they're gonna mess up their assets. No, what they're gonna, <laughs> you know, they could do this. It's like okay, that's a good step. We like we've seen this before. They could do something like this, right? That makes sense. And then they mess up on the draft pick. They'll they'll draft another, with no disrespect to him, Frank Nidikina or another mm. Kevin Knox. You know, if they're just gonna, or 
you know, they're going to acquire assets, but not good assets. They're going to, they're going to mess up. It's going to be a cycle of garbageness, you know, and bad luck as long, you know, as they exist. Like they're just a joke of a team. I don't know what to say. Like I, 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 and the fact that you said like, again, that they're always like one of the, the higher uh, marketable teams, is is laughable because again their fans like i don't know how you could be loyal to a team like that you know delusional <laughs> best way to describe them honestly i think it's just at this point we gotta accredit it to the nick or the not the nick's curse the james dolan curse honestly yeah that's what yeah like the whole time they've had like nothing but bad luck if you think about it like every year there's a draft lottery, and then Stephen A. Smith's like, oh, the Knicks, they need the first overall yep. pick. They need to draft Annual this tradition. guy. He's box office. And then the Knicks get the fourth pick. The Knicks get the third pick. The Knicks get the fifth pick. I don't know. They don't, They get anything but the first pick. And then they, they draft, like, a bust. And then the one time they draft a good player, Kristaps Porzingis, they trade him for nothing. They trade him for Dennis Smith Jr. Who's who, Where is he? He's a bust right now. Anyway, the the jury is not like fully out on him yet, but he's he's definitely not shown up. How could you be a young team but a not a team with no promise? You know what I mean. The only decent player that they, the promising player they have is R.J. Barrett. Like they like Kevin Knox, bust. Frank Nidakina. <sighs> Just based off his position, it's a bust. I don't necessarily think he's a he himself is a bad bad player, but he's not going to reach any of the expectations that any Nick fan has. Yeah. Um, who else? Did, like again, we messaged Dennis Smith Jr. They they have I don't know. Like they're they're just they're not even like you know you got to be a team. Like there are teams like they're bad, but you can be like oh in a few years they're going to be good. The Knicks, they're bad, and there's nothing to be looking forward to, to look forward yeah. to for that team, you know? Like, they're just on this endless cycle of just trash. <laughs> Honestly, I, I don't think it can be said any better than that. So, we'll have to see what type of moves the Knicks can make at this point. But, I know, I mean, man, it's just, I feel, again, I feel sorry for the Knicks fans. But then again, I kind of don't because you know, you guys are just blindly like supporting your team for yeah. no reason and with the hopes that you guys get a championship. But honestly, if the Knicks win a championship in the next 20 years, that'll probably be like the most like beautiful sports story because Nick fans have been like tortured for so many years. So, I mean, not that I'm hoping for it to happen, but I'm just saying as a fact or um, a little side note here. But moving on to our little last piece of like basketball news before we head on to our next segment, we just got to talk a little about about the Clippers again because uh, uh-huh. we love to talk about the Clippers on this podcast too. One of our favorites, you know, Kawhi Leonard, he's looking for a new point guard, and the Clippers they're eyeing Rajon Rondo hmm. just after his like finals performance, not of a lifetime, but. Definitely vintage Rondo did come back for a couple games there. So I guess like just your quick thoughts on Rondo potentially going to the Clippers. I personally don't see that happening. Like, like he's got a good role with the Lakers, Yeah, you know, and again, the Clippers like are a joke. I mean, 
I think, I mean, first of all, like that just shows that they realize Patrick Beverly's not the answer as the starting point guard. Um, and two, like, also that just says, you know, like they don't trust Paula George to be like the high IQ player and they feel like they, they desperately need a guy with high IQ because it, oh, it seems like it's only Kawhi um, who has the IQ. So um, I don't know. I don't have much to say because I don't think it's going to happen. I think that he, if he's smart, he's staying with the Lakers because he's got a nice role there. Um, he gets to play with the best duo in the league, LeBron and AD. And uh, he's just fresh off a title there. If he were to go to the enemy, he'd be lo- go, go, go from loved to hated on because we all know that the Clippers do not belong in LA. Yeah. Like, so I don't know. I just, first of all, I just, I don't know what, like, I just love seeing the Clippers just not be successful. Like I wasn't a like I wasn't a hater of the Clippers when they had Lob City. I actually enjoyed the Lob City Clippers because I just loved they're exciting. Like, um, and they had that underdog field. This, the, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, JJ yeah. Redick, Matt. Bar- I I like I liked that team, and I I kind of wanted them to win a championship. Um, but this Clippers team is not likable, and I mean again. <laughs> We're Raptors fans, Kawhi. That that probably plays yeah, a factor, yeah. but just I don't know. I, I the Clippers. I just would love to see them just like continue to <laughs> take else. So I don't, <laughs> I don't think they're gonna get Rondo. Yeah, honestly, when I saw this news, it seemed like pretty expected almost. I mean, I wasn't expecting Rondo, but I was expecting the Clippers to f- potentially target a guy like Rondo because. It was very evident in their playoffs and even in sometimes in the regular season, they were just lacking playmakers from the beginning. Like Kawhi Leonard was their like primary playmaker. And while he did make strides in his um, passing game, this like past off season and into this regular season, it's, it's not enough to have just like Kawhi as your main facilitator on a team like this. And obviously, you know, Paul George, he also wasn't like, creating too many shots for other other teammates or even for himself at times mm-hmm. and then you know Lou Williams was like chucking up bricks from everywhere eating his like lemon pepper chicken wings or whatever and, <laughs> and we got Pat Bev over here like talking all this nonsense but all he can do really is like foul guys and like you know be be a pest foul on guy. defense but he can't <laughs> even like make a good play for his teammates so it seemed like the Clippers were trying to target a guy like Rondo from the beginning. So I'm not surprised if, do I want the Clippers to can you continue to take L's? Of course, because I'm a Raptors fan and I just, I, I will forever hold like some sort of not, maybe not a grudge because I don't know the guy personally, but I'll always like feel some sort of way about Steve Ballmer just yeah. being at the Raptors games and like clapping every time Kawhi Leonard did something so there, there's that. But anyways, we got to move on to our last segment here of the podcast. So Pat Riley recently came out and mm. talked a little bit about uh, a touchy topic among uh, NBA fans and media. He just talked a little bit about an asterisk. I got the full quotes here. So oh initially he came out and said, you know, the Lakers, they beat us fair and squarely, but there will always be that asterisk. If we had Bam and Goran, 100%, 
Goran was our leading scorer. It might have gone to a seventh game. So initially, people sort of reacted to that as saying, like, oh, are they saying that the Lakers, they have um, an asterisk on their title? Are they saying that, you know, Pat Riley is saying we, we, we have an asterisk on this finals because we didn't have our players? So then he sort of backed off from that talk a couple of days later. And he basically went on to clarify his statement saying, the asterisk is next to the Heat's name, not the Lakers. Their title is legitimate. Legitimate. Our loss has an asterisk on it. The Lakers were the better team, period. So, honestly, what are, what are your initial reactions to all of this nonsense? What do you mean your loss has an asterisk on it? It's either you won or you lost. What? That makes no sense. I, I This is just saltiness you know after fresh after a loss you know injuries happen it you know like when like for example the golden state warriors when they won their their championship against uh cavaliers team without kevin love and Kyrie, like the, did the cavaliers say oh there's an asterisk to our loss mm, like yes. you know what i mean like like, like what like I, he what he just said was just pure uh salt you know yeah we get it like goran got injured there might have he could have gone to seven but it didn't all right you know you guys lost fair and square you guys uh to the lakers and you guys should have just been proud of your season and left at that but for you to say that that's just mad salty i think that like you know pat riley you know he he's a well-respected guy and he's uh a well accomplished calculated guy but man i don't know that was just a i kind of laughed at that to be honest uh, there's not really much more to say on that other than that's just pure salt <laughs> you know when i first saw that i was thinking man pat riley has really nothing better to do than talk about like the finals that was already concluded like 3 weeks ago yeah come on man like you got to you can't do that cuz like that just triggered me from the beginning because I just remember last year when everyone was putting an asterisk on our, ta- our championship because, you know, mm. Kevin Durant was out. But the thing is, with asterisks, especially when it comes to injuries and, like, pe- players being out in the postseason, you can literally put an asterisk on every playoffs. Yeah. Like, come on, think about it. Like, last year, Kevin Durant out in the finals. The year before, um, Kawhi Leonard, you know, getting uh, injured by Zaza and then you know, being taken out of that game when the Spurs were leading. You know, you can even go back further. Like you were Chris saying, Paul. Uh, Chris Paul, yep, in the Rockets. Yeah. You know, uh, Kevin Garnett a long time ago being out of the playoffs. You know, Celtics fans love to bring up Kendrick Perkins being out in 2010. <laughs> it's, it's so many things. Like Kevin Love and Kyrie, like you were saying. Yeah. So. If we're going to put an asterisk on this last finals, then fuck. Put, put an asterisk on every single goddamn finals ever. Injuries are part of the game. Just allow it, you know? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, it, it, it's, it's, it's unavoidable that players get hurt, and it's unfortunate, but that's how the ball rolls sometimes. Exactly. I don't know, man. And I, I, I didn't expect that from Pat Riley because he's been in the game for how many years? Like, he's... And he's won plenty of championships, man. Like he's, he he's, like he didn't need to say this. You know, I didn't expect this from him. You know, so yeah, 
Especially and, a guy that's been around in the league for a long and his, time. Yeah, and his clarification made made it worse because it's just, it's just yeah. so funny. Like, oh, the asterisk is just next to the Heat's name, not the Lakers. They're titled yeah. legitimate. Our that loss has an asterisk. How does your loss have an asterisk? You just lost. Just, there's no asterisk to it. Like, I'm sorry, but if you take an L, it doesn't matter what it is, if it's basketball or in life, whatever. You don't take an L and say, oh, I'm going to put an asterisk on this because, uh, like, let's say you take an L on a test, for example. Like, oh, man, I didn't do good on this test because I didn't get enough sleep last night. I'm going to put <laughs> an asterisk on it. Like, that, you can't take, you can't put an asterisk on an L. That's just your result. No, no, it's even, I'll even go, go with your point. It's like, um, it's like going to in a test and you're like the the asterisk is oh the test wasn't exactly what i expected but you didn't study for it at all so then mm. like the, the, the but so then and then you clarify oh the the asterisk is not for the the, the teacher who made the test it's the asterisk is just the result of the test because but the thing is because you didn't study you know what i mean but yeah at the end of the day l's and l yeah, the L's and L doesn't all those those special details don't matter because you still took the L. <laughs> exactly. So the, all this talk about asterisks and stuff, like it's so silly. Yeah. It, it's so petty. It's so salty. Yeah. And honestly, the last person I wanted to hear this from was a guy like Pat Riley because he's such a legend in the NBA. Just because yeah. of what he did with the Lakers, you know, the Knicks. And then he's run this Heat organization for so long now. So. I wasn't expecting this from Pat Riley, the legend. Mm. But, mm-hmm. hey, man, I guess as we get older in age, we get more petty. So, hey, L's and L, regardless, Pat Riley. So, I don't want to hear no nonsense about asterisks because if you're going to put an asterisk on this finals, like I was saying, put a fucking asterisk on everything, everything in life, <laughs> like anything. Mm-hmm. So, that's just our little rant about asterisks this uh, podcast episode. And that's actually all the topics we have for this week. We just want to give you guys a little bit of a preview on what we have planned for the upcoming podcast episodes. So we're actually going to be doing a lot of draft coverage over the next couple of weeks. The draft is like after this week we're recording this. It's three weeks away. I believe it's like November 18th, I believe. I don't remember. Oh, yeah. Uh, One second. 2020 draft date. It is November 18th. Yes, I was correct. So we are like pretty much three weeks away from the draft. So we're going to be providing extensive coverage of the draft just in terms of we'll probably do one little segment in one of our episodes talking about what the Raptors could potentially do with their two picks. You know, they got the 29th and the 59th pick in the draft. Maybe like, you know, assessing some prospects And we're definitely going to be bringing on some guests on our show to uh, help us out with that. So Mm -hmm. expect some um, familiar names and maybe some new names coming up in the podcast. And we're definitely going to be talking about free agency whenever we figure out when the season's going to start. Because depending on when the season starts, we're going to know when free agency starts. So we could either be looking at a very condensed offseason or a very long one. So you guys are going to have to stay tuned for all of that. But uh, anyways, this has been the ball and roll. No, not the ball and roll. Oh, my gosh. I I almost slipped up. I've I've been doing, like, so many podcasts lately that I just, like, (laughs) almost can't differentiate what I'm, like, talking about or what I've said already. It's kind of wild. And even, like, last time, I think I recorded, like, two podcasts in one day. So 
anyways, mm. I, I've been doing a lot of talking. This has been the NBA's most valuable podcast. Clarify it there. Mm-hmm. Jeff, do you have anything to leave our viewers before we, uh, or our listeners before we get out of here? Uh, he slipped up, man. <laughs> yeah, I slipped up big time. Yeah. Anyways, we'll be back next week with another episode covering everything in and around the NBA. Till then, we're out. See, see ya.